The Athletic. This is the best club in the world. Don't care what other people do. Allison. He looks for Salah, who has managed to turn the defender, Cancelo. Mo Salah! Well, it must surely go down as one of the great games under Jurgen Klopp. Manchester City have always brought the best out of Liverpool and Anfield rocked as the Reds showcased an incredible return to form. So how did Jurgen mastermind the win and how does he keep getting the better of Pep? If you're not already a subscriber to The Athletic, you can read everything on the site, everything on Liverpool, if you head to theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. And there is a special price if you sign up now, a pound a month for six months at theathletic.com forward slash Liverpool pod. It's the Red Agenda. I'm Steve Hothersall, joined today by James Pearce and Ollie Kay. What a magnificent occasion at Anfield. It was a team effort, James, that... Brought Liverpool back to life. A very, very special game. Yeah, it, it really was. I mean, I think we've talked previously, haven't we, about this season desperately needing something to to ignite it. And you know, there's been been a few false dawns along the way with some of the victories Liverpool have had. But you know, if if a day like that can't inspire you to to go on a sustained run, then then nothing will because it was sensational. And I thought. You know, for, when you consider that was a game that I think a lot of Liverpool fans went into with a probably a bit of a sense of trepidation, considering the contrasting form between the two teams. Yeah, I, I think that performance was was right up there with what we've seen from Liverpool for a, a long, long time. I mean, they looked so cohesive and compact as a unit, so much better defensively than at any point this season. Uh, restricted City to, to very few chances, Haaland in particular. I thought they thoroughly deserved the victory. And of course, there was drama, controversy, aplenty. But yeah, a magnificent you know piece of individual brilliance from Salah to, to settle it. But you know Liverpool could have even had a couple more on the counter-attack late on if they'd been a bit more clinical. So um, yeah, that was, a, that was a special afternoon at Anfield. On and off the pitch as well, because I think the atmosphere at Anfield has almost mimicked Klopp's team so far this season in terms of being too meek and too welcoming. But that was Anfield at its spiky, intimidating best in terms of its ability to inspire the home side and I think intimidate and knock opponents out of their stride. Yeah, it, it was absolutely intense inside Anfield, Ollie. I mean, it, when people talk about the, the clock rain and games where you felt something completely different, that was one of those days. And I think that the fans knew it from the very off. Yeah, I, I wasn't there. I was, I was watching on TV. It was a mate of mine said it was he used the word feral um and he was uh he was he was saying that was a very good thing you know sort of you know it brought to mind that atmosphere against chelsea back in 2005 which i i think we've always used that word feral for that it was you know just so intense so visceral and it must be the first time in four years four and a half years since probably since that city three nil in the champions league although you could argue the barcelona game in the champions league Probably first time in, in in that time at least that Liverpool have been underdogs in a game at Anfield, and that there's been a real sense of you know the crowd needing to be the twelfth man, and was also the crowd have been have provided that extra impetus at times anyway. But I, I think that's it's probably a very rare case in the in, in recent years where it's felt like a real back to the wall job, a real kind of 
you know, Liverpool, Liverpool played differently, didn't they? They played very compact, intense. It was it wasn't about imposing their style on 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 the opposition necessarily. It was about stopping the opposition playing, and and I think they did that brilliantly. And I think the the defending was the defending was excellent. I'm sure we'll go on to individuals, but I, I just thought it was a a really intense, focused, committed team performance that of of a type that was probably completely unrecognisable to everything. Well, many of the other performances season, which have been nowhere near that. You're so right. I mean, it's an absolute head-scratcher, isn't it, James? I mean, watching that performance, you'd have never guessed what Liverpool have been going through in this campaign. No, but I was, you know, I was watching, when I was watching the highlights back late last night, you were thinking, you know, how ridiculous is this? The fact that Manchester United beat Liverpool and then got absolutely dismantled by Manchester City and then Liverpool go and do it do a job on Man City like that. And you think, you know, where's that Liverpool been for so much of the season so far? Because, you know, if if they played with that kind of collective intensity and organisation, with those kind of concentration levels and shutting down space and, and denying opponents opportunities rather than being so easy to play through, then, you know, they, they wouldn't be sat in the middle of the Premier League table and with their focus on trying to clamber back into the top four as opposed to the title challenge we all expected. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think the big thing, and I'm sure Klopp and Pep Linders are banging it, banging this into the players ahead of that game against West Ham on, on Wednesday night, is, you know, the bar's been set now. As great as Sunday was, and of course it always means a lot to to give a bloody nose to a, a team like Manchester City and especially with the, the resources that they have and the rivalry that's built in recent years. But it, it only really means something if Liverpool kick on from here. But there was there was so much to admire, wasn't there? I think, you know, you could see how much Mo Salah had benefited from, you know, the the, belief, the injection of belief from that record-breaking hat-trick against Rangers in midweek. Really glad that Klopp had taken on board, you know, the fact that Salah has been wasted too often this season marooned it wide on that right flank worked brilliantly having him much more central and then you know of course another you know key player in Virgil van Dijk who um, like Salah has been nowhere near his usual level up up to this point this season but you know what a time for him to get back to his commanding best I thought I thought him and Joe Gomez were were absolutely sensational as as a partnership Absolutely. Well, let's go to Mo first. Obviously, the scorer of the goal uh, missed a big opportunity when it was goalless. I say missed. It was a fingertip save, wasn't it? But it, but clearly inspired on the day. Pace, power, an absolute joy to watch, Ollie. And that goal, although it wasn't a carbon copy, sort of reminded me of that goal against Manchester United when he ran clear and celebrated in front of the cop. It was a it was a special moment that we'll get to the end of the season and we'll all remember that. Yeah, I mean it was extremely well taken. I mean the one, um, the one he'd missed. What was it? Twenty minutes or so earlier, or, or the one that Edison had saved from him, was probably in his mind because how could it not be? Because it was a very similar position, but he took it so calmly. You wonder whether, from City's point of view, that would have been something that Guardiola would have been livid about. You know, just leaving Cancelo one on one with uh, with Salah on the on the halfway line. Because as you say, we, we have seen Salah do that and we've seen Alisson do that before so it, it was probably I mean we've talked so many times about this season about avoidable goals from Liverpool's point of view the goals they've conceded that was probably an avoidable goal from City point of view but it was it was just so well executed by by Salah and you know a very calm finish and yeah it was it was you know the the, the scenes of celebration seemed um seemed wild and completely 
you know, in keeping with everything else the rest of the day. It looked, it looked and sounded mad from the TV. Not only Mo's finish, Ollie, but actually Alisson setting him up. It was yeah, yeah. brilliant, wasn't it? Did he, did he slip? Did he slip as he was kicking it? Yeah. On both occasions. Uh, uh, you know, the, 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 um, the one against United in 2020 as well. I think, I think it, you know, it was that kind of quick, quick release. No, 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 no. It was, it was just that quick release where, where he just sort of put so much into getting it away quickly, and he, uh, he certainly slipped yesterday. And it was no, it, it was just a brilliant. It was, it was a brilliant kick because that's not just somebody punting it as hard as they can, high as they can, hoping for the best. That is looking for you know the precise elevation to send him one on one as quickly as possible. And I thought it was a brilliant kick, um, not a kind of. Kevin De Bruyne, Trent Alexander-Arnold type, you know, beautiful delivery, but it was, but it was incredibly intelligent and well executed, as was the finish. There's nothing better than seeing Mo in those celebratory moments, James, with his arms stretched out wide, and and it's hard to actually think to yourself that's Mo's first league goal since August. Yeah, yeah, that is it's hard to fathom, wasn't it? I mean, he was that was him at his absolute sensational best, wasn't it? And. Um... It made me laugh afterwards when, you know, I think Guardiola described it as, you know, we, we made one mistake and got punished. And I, I don't think anyone should take anything away from, from Salah because he, he, it wasn't like a completely, you know, out of nothing error from Cancelo. It was it was all about the strength and body position and, and turn of Salah and, and the poise and the quality of the finish as well. Because, you know, of course, he'd had that one earlier on in the game when I think Firmino had set him clear. And he was actually denied by a, a brilliant save from Edison, even though you know, the hapless Anthony Taylor gave a goal kick from that one. But yeah, it was, a, it was a finish of just a player who, he had the look of someone who's just got it back. It was like, you know, it was, I, th- I think you felt that almost, you know, from his celebrations at Ibrox in midweek. It was, they were very low-key, weren't they? Despite the record-breaking nature of that six-minute hat-trick, because it was... I think his his attitude seemed to be, you know, finally about time. You know, where's where's this been? You know, why why has it not been happening for me? And then he's had these periods before, hasn't he, where he goes on unbelievable runs. And um, you know, it was actually last October, wasn't it, when he had those? It felt like he was having a goal of the season competition with himself, with the, the goals against City and against Watford. You know, he scored in ten successive matches then, and we were all talking about, you know, Mo Salah, future Ballon d'Or winner, and of course. You know, it's all gone quiet on that front since. But, um, yeah, a huge, huge plus to have him back operating at the peak of his powers, especially, you know, where the kind of grim fit footnote to, to the victory was the sight of Diogo Jota getting stretched off late on. And, um, you know, we're, we're waiting at the moment for the you know, the results of the scan. But, you know, it just, you could tell from Klopp's demeanour afterwards when he was asked about it. I, I don't you know, I fear it's not going to be good news. It's probably... The fear is that he'll miss the World Cup and you know won't won't be in a Liverpool shirt again until until after Christmas. So, and you think on the back of losing you know Diaz as well for you know for for six to eight weeks, it, that's that's a body blow. So um, yeah, the the fact that you've got Salah back firing all cylinders is is going to be huge because it's going to be you know a massive responsibility on him in the absence of, of both Jota and and Diaz. And th- and there was that. Mad moment a few minutes before it, James, where the board went up and 11 was on the board. I don't know whether John Achterberg's going to be in trouble for this or not. And Mo thinks he's coming off. Jürgen hasn't looked at the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was quite a funny. I did, I did wonder what on earth was going on because I saw the number 11 go up and, and obviously Salah did as well. And then at that exact moment, 
Klopp actually called him over to give him some tactical instructions. Yeah. And then it was quite funny because you could see Salah looking a bit quizzically on his face, think, and, he, and then he pointed at the board as if to say, yeah. what do you mean you want me to do this? Like, <laughs> you're taking me off. And, and of course, Klopp was like, no, 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 we're, we're not. You know, and then obviously the, um, yeah, the wrong number had gone on the board. But um, yeah, I don't think... Uh, yeah, as Klopp said, said afterwards, he said it was just a genuine error with the the wrong number going up. I don't, I don't think anyone in their right mind would have been thinking about taking Mo Salah off at that point because you know, attacking wise, he'd caused City's backline a, a host of problems all afternoon. You know, I lo- I loved that moment in the first half where he ran you know, was it half the length of Anfield after just you know b- body checking you know, Nathan Ake to the ground just so. So strong and, and powerful and yeah, it was. I think he was as bewildered as anyone of obviously about the incident that, that led up to Klopp's red card because you know he he did exactly what you'd want him to do in terms of you know taking that ball down the right flank, Bernardo Silva all over him, pulling his shirt, grappling him to the ground, and bizarrely Anthony Taylor and his assistant who could only have been five yards away from the incident wave and play on and and City counter attack and although Klopp. You know, quite rightly apologised because you can't be screaming in an official's face, an official's face like he did um, to the assistant. But you know, you could understand the frustration because that was one of a whole series of pretty bewildering decisions from Anthony Taylor on the day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What did you make of the officiating, Ollie? The the ref appeared to let everything go. He seemed to try to let the game flow. As as he told the managers in their briefing before the game that that's how he's going to approach it. Well, that's what that's what Guardiola said that that, that he'd said. You know, I'm I'm not going to blow up for well the way Guardiola characterised it. He he was suggesting that I wasn't going to blow up that that Taylor wasn't going to blow up for anything. Which I'm sure that I'm sure that's not what he said. But at times it felt like that because there were yeah you know, there were really. There were really clear fouls at times. I, I like the intensity and the, 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 the freer flow and the lack of sort of play acting nonsense that you get with more of a let let the game flow approach and with more of a you know higher threshold for fouls. But but there were some fouls yesterday which it was just as as James was saying, it was just bewildering that they weren't being given. There was a there was the one on Salah, you know, by the corner flag which you mentioned. There was one, I think Rodri sort of Taking Salah's legs from under him in the build-up to the um, to a chance in, in the first half for City, and just a really, really clear foul, and, and they weren't being given. And you think, well, yeah, let it flow is is a good principle, but there's got to be something that's a foul. I thought um, Thiago was really lucky with, with the one, you know, with, with that challenge late on. I mean, it's clear that he slipped, but he was already going to be really late. It was already a really dangerous challenge, and that could have been a red card. And I felt the let it flow and, and the sort of low threshold for everything I, I thought was, was quite extreme, to be honest. And it made it a really good, compelling game. But I don't think anybody, least of all Jurgen Klopp, would want matches to be refereed like that all the time. I think I think let it flow is, is a fine principle, but I, I couldn't understand why Taylor wasn't blowing for a lot more. 
on both sides. So Pep's annoyance afterwards at the goal that was disallowed, Ollie, was that everything was allowed to flow, but when actually his team scored, he said, well, that's not allowed to flow. But but actually, there's got to be an instance, hasn't there, where, where it's a goal-scoring situation where it's absolutely fundamentally correctly called. Yeah, I mean, the, I think there have been a lot of, you know, a, a whole range of opinions on, on this. I, th- I thought, personally, that the Haaland challenger, Fabinho, I mean, he does grab his shirt and sort of pulls him to the ground. I wasn't so convinced that that was going to be ruled out on the basis of that. I, I thought, well, there's a foul, but it maybe doesn't fill in, fall into the sort of clear and obvious error category where you've got a higher bar for, 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 for what's considered a foul. But I felt, personally, the, the one on Alisson was, was much more of a, a clear, blatant foul. And I've seen a range of opinions of that. I've seen people say, well, he didn't have both hands on the ball, so it wasn't a foul. Well, that's not the rule. The rule isn't... You, you can still go for the ball. You can still go for the ball, but to my mind, it was a foul. So I, I felt if the Fabinho challenge was had been... Or the challenge on Fabinho had been allowed, that the challenge on Alisson was more problematic in terms of disallowing the goal, I, I felt. But it just makes it a bit strange when you're saying... We've got Guardiola saying it's down to you know the Anfield factor. Oh, this is Anfield. This is what you get at Anfield. But when in fact it was disallowed by or flagged by a a guy in a sort of <laughs> sterile, sterile environment in um, just off the M4 in Stockley Park. The VAR wasn't influenced by the refer by, by the crowd. Anthony Taylor wasn't in the first place. It, it was the opposite of that. But I I thought it was right to disallow the goal. But I thought it should have gone, come down to the um, the challenge on Alisson, which I thought was much more uh, much more clear. In the craziness of the atmosphere, James, you can see why both managers lost their head, can't you? I mean, Pep at one point turning around after that and sort of trying to, uh, you know, confront the fans in the main stand. It was ludicrous. Yeah, yeah. I think both both managers lost their heads, didn't they? With the the emotions running high, we know what that this rivalry means and and how much was at stake. You know, for two teams for different reasons probably on the day to be honest when you look at their positions in the in the league table yeah not clever from Guardiola at all to sarcastically whip up the fans behind him you know again you know City alleged that coins were thrown in his direction and you know if Liverpool have vowed to conduct a full investigation into that and of course anyone who's been guilty of anything like that deserves to be banned from the stadium but yeah it wasn't it wasn't clever from Guardiola to to act like that, and I, I must admit, I thought his I thought his comments were very odd afterwards about you know the the surly response of this is Anfield in in reply to the the disallowed goal because you know as Ollie just pointed out it it Anthony Taylor actually missed it you know it was how on earth he missed it I don't do not know I mean it was in keeping with such a substandard referee in performance um you know, it was a blatant foul you know a Harland on Fabino and and even even if VAR hadn't hadn't you know flagged that one I think it undoubtedly would have flagged the fact that Alisson had both hands on the ball before Haaland knocked it knocked it out of his grasp so I, I was baffled that Taylor actually awarded the goal in the first place and even watching the replay I didn't have a massive amount of faith that he would get it right with the benefit of the of the monitor but um yeah thankfully he did and yeah I, I just think I just find it all a bit bizarre because I, I think there has to be a threshold doesn't there you you know we yes we don't want to see games that are stop start you know every you know we probably have reached a point in recent years where it was like any little bit of contact free kick oh he touched him free kick you can see that no one wants to see that and games continually you know um you know no no flow or momentum to them but 
Taylor left, let go, kind of five, six absolutely blatant fouls, and yeah, and that's that's not letting the game flow. That's just completely abjectly failing to to impose the actual laws of the game. So, so no, I didn't. I couldn't understand what Guardiola's complaints at all, and Bernardo Silva moaning as well afterwards about a lack of consistency and just because Taylor got other things wrong in the day, I don't, I don't understand the logic of. Well, he got that wrong and that wrong. So why couldn't you have just left it as him getting that wrong as well? It was, you know, VAR did its job properly on that occasion. Hello, James Richardson here, presenter of the Totally Football Show. It's a show about football and sometimes it's about life. And usually it's about an hour long. This Thursday, it's particularly about the midweek Premier League games. Ten Hag against Conte, South Coast Derby dust-up between uh, Bournemouth and Saints and the story tradition of the all-West London-Brentford-Chelsea clash. I'll be asking dumb questions. Duncan Alexander, Carl Anker and Ahmed Schubel will have clever answers and you can find all of that by searching for The Totally Football Show wherever you get your podcasts. You both picked out earlier how well um, the defence had done. And I, and I just want to pick out Joe Gomez because, you know, here's a guy who's been through everything, hasn't he? He's had the worst run of luck, Ollie, with injuries at Liverpool. At times, a lack of being able to tie down places when he has come back into the team. He's maybe made a few errors. But here he was at his absolute imperious best, playing in his favourite role and trying to stop the league's most informed striker and doing just an absolute admirable job all round. Yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was outstanding. I think a lot of people looked at that lineup beforehand and thought, you know, the, the, looked at the back four and it was Milner right back, Gomez, Van Dijk, Robertson um, coming back after after injury, and to me it looked it looked quite vulnerable given how Van Dijk has been playing and and you know um, I don't think Gomez has been at his best either. Milner coming back into the lineup at full back, Robertson coming back after an injury. I thought, you know, they're going to have to be, you know, on it 100%, play out their skin to to keep this City team quiet. And they did. And Gomez epitomised that. I think Van Dijk did as well in in a different way. But I, I thought Gomez was uh, was fantastic. And it's probably a bit of a reminder to people just how good how good he is. Because of the injuries he's had and, and because Matip has come in and done so well over the last... Um, couple of seasons and, and Canate has come in and done so well and made it I think Van Dijk can make it look very easy to to play alongside him when he when he's on form but Gomez he's not somebody who gets a great profile he's he's, he's sort of almost fallen out of that conversation for the England squad for the World Cup but I would imagine if Gareth Southgate's looking at that we all know he wants his defenders to be able to defend I would think he's got to be looking at that and thinking wow he comes to the World Cup because he he can he can play right back. He can play right side, centre back in a three, in a, in a four. He's very comfortable competing against top class forwards like like Haaland. And there was just one occasion in the first half where I thought Haaland got away from him for that header, but I, I thought otherwise it was exemplary from Gomez, and he deserves all the credit he gets. As does Milner, as does Van Dijk, as does Robertson. I thought. The, the four of them. Yeah, because James, you've written about uh, Van Dijk on your piece on the Athletic today. Liverpool's unmovable Van Dijk shows Haaland is a stoppable force. And, and here's Virgil rising back to his best again in a season where fingers have been pointed. People have said, you know, he's he's passed it. He'll never return to that sort of level again. Well, there he is. 
Yeah, I, I, I thought, I thought he was, he was absolutely immense. Um, you know, he, he has come in for a lot of stick this season. I think probably some of it justified, some of it unfair, because I think any top level centre half would would struggle to perform to his absolute capabilities when there's so many weaknesses and vulnerabilities around him, especially with the lack of protection from midfield. But I, I just I, I thought he was much more combative and on the front foot and you know you think back to that game at Old Trafford when you know there was that horrendous goal wasn't there where he was he kind of like just backed off and he was just thinking what are you doing and then there was that you know argument between him and Milner that followed and yet yesterday it always just felt he was he was there like no one had no one really had ever more than a, a yard of space and you know how many times was he in the right place at the right time to to deal with danger you know Especially when you think late on, you know, hearts were in mouths a couple of times, weren't they? When you know, that ball came back across goal, and you know there was Van Dijk reading it, I think, and I think it was one of the few times where Gomez had nodded off a little bit, and there was Van Dijk to nod it over his own bar. Seconds later, he's you know there to deal with a cutback from De Bruyne, you know, but the, the Milner one as well. You know, you can't you can't get away from what a what a performance that was from from Milner. You know, I think you know you only have to look at the replies to. To my tweet before the game about Klopp's decision to, to play and to to get a grasp of the, the kind of the doom and gloom merchants and you know how on earth you know Milner had problems with Foden a year ago you know twelve months down the line what are Liverpool doing you know what's Klopp doing you know, this is madness to expect that Milner could deal with someone as lively and as pacey and skillful as Foden but he did you know he, you know apart from the disallowed goal Foden Foden was you know very much on the periphery and. Yeah, he looked absolutely shattered come the final whistle, Milner, you know, sunk to the turf and I think it was Thiago ran across to pull him to his feet because, yeah, that he, he just epitomised everything that was best about Liverpool on the day in terms of, of getting at City, closing down space and, and he played a big part and so did Robertson on the other side with with limiting the supply lines to, to Haaland, which is obviously something that Liverpool had, had worked in incredibly hard on and... Um, yeah, and just you know, in terms of Joe Gomez, you just, just hope you just hope now he he does get a bit of fortune and he is able to kick on from here. And you know, probably there probably be mixed feelings. I should think at Liverpool if he does, you know, force his way into to Gareth Southgate's squad for Qatar because you know probably you'd be thinking it might suit Liverpool better for him to have a break and come back strong after Christmas. But you know, for him, he'll be absolutely desperate to get there. And England are not blessed with centre halves, are they? When you look at you know the the crazy debate about Harry Maguire and you know like not you know not in not in favour at Manchester United, horrendously error-strewn performances for for England. You know Tyrone Mings. You look at you know the the error that he made leading to a goal at the weekend as well. You know Joe Gomez. I, I don't think there's a more naturally gifted English centre half than him. I think the problem has always been staying fit. You know, I, I couldn't believe it the other week when I think he he'd only just clocked up 150 appearances for Liverpool, and when you think you know what he signed under Brendan Rodgers didn't he in the summer of 2015, so yeah you just you just want him to have some good fortune and a proper run because I think yes he had a very very difficult evening in Naples last month when he got taken off at half time, but he wasn't alone that night and to come back like he did that was his first performance first game at centre half since that defeat to Napoli and perform at that level, you know, I think says an awful lot about his, about him as a, as a defender and also as a, as a character. 
Yeah, he, he really is one of the good guys at the club and are incredibly talented. Is, is Gareth Southgate's mind for the changing, Ollie? Do you see him? Do you honestly see him forcing his way into the tournament? Um, I I could certainly see that, yeah, because if you, I mean, Southgate really likes him. I, I can't remember whether Southgate picked, played him in the under-21s. I think he did. But quite soon after Southgate took over and quite soon after Gomez had forced his way into the Liverpool team, it was probably late 2017, when he was just sort of bringing in Maguire, Pickford and others and just sort of younger players into the team. And Gomez was one of those and he played, I'm sure he played friendly against Brazil or Germany, maybe both at Wembley and was ex- excellent. And Southgate really likes him, but he, he just, he hasn't really been fit often enough since then. I think I think I could, I mean, we could all scratch our heads over Alexander-Arnold, but I think I think the the issue with, with uh, Gomez has been he hasn't been injury-free for long enough to put and then back in Liverpool's team often enough to, to, to really sort of make that case. So whether it's right-back or centre-back, it's, it seemed like he's been further down the pecking order. But, I mean, if you're looking at Kyle Walker's situation and him struggling for a, you know, but racing to be fit in time, Reese James racing to be fit in time, I think Trent is probably going to get in anyway now. But I think for that sort of right-sided central defender... You know, particularly if there's any doubt about Kyle Walker, I would think I would think Joe Gomez is definitely the man to to turn to. As I said at the start, Southgate likes him. He he, he does, and I don't think it would require a, a major U-turn or anything like that. I think he just wants to see Gomez playing and and playing like that. Big month for a lot of these players, and and I certainly hope Joe goes. Um, it would be a terrific story for him. Right, what happens next after this incredible result, James? Uh, we've, we've got West Ham on Wednesday. That the manager, uh, well, he's. He's banished, isn't he, from the dugout? <laughs> Jurgen admitted he he lost his cool there, so he admitted he did the wrong thing, didn't he? When he, you know, he spoke to the officials, so he's going to have to sit in the stands for the next game. Yeah, that's what we're that's what we're expecting, Steve. I don't think I don't think there's there's much of a case for the defence in terms of <laughs> well, he got the red card. Yeah, I think you know he he held his hands up to that, didn't he, post match and and said that you know the the red mist descended and he he knows you know the images aren't great are they it's and, and yes as much as the frustration is understandable when you see someone screaming in the face of a of an assistant like that you know I, I think there was only ever really going to be be one outcome so um so yeah I don't think it all I don't think it'll have too much impact in terms of the game itself with you know the way that you, know, you can get messages across and and all the rest of it and of course you know Pep Linders is vastly experienced and has has taken Taking things previously, obviously when 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 Klopp had had COVID, and so I think I think the, probably the big thing will be the need to to freshen the team up, having put in you know such a Herculean effort against City. I think um, I'm sure we'll see him, you know, having to having to bring in some some fresh legs. You'd imagine that you're certainly at fullback. You know, great to see Alexander Arnold back a week ahead of schedule as a as a late substitute. Only returned to training on on Saturday. But you'd imagine he would come back into the team, probably Simicus on the other side. Still waiting to find out exactly the extent of Canate's uh, problem. I think it's an adductor issue, but they said it was only minor. You know, didn't take any risks with him on Sunday. So whether whether that needs a bit more time to settle down, we'll have to wait and see. And then, you know, of course, Jordan Henderson only, what did he play out come last 20 minutes? Same with Carvalho, same with Nunes. So, yeah, despite the issues at the minute, Injury-wise, 
yeah, he's still he's still got options there. I think to to keep it fresh and and hopefully you know this this is the start of something because it has to be really you know it's it's not about the title race. I think it's it's about top four. That's you know when you look at everyone else up there keeps on winning at the moment and you know the gap the gap to Chelsea in fourth is six points, but yeah the, you know when you think you know West Ham at home, Forest away. You know, anything less than six points this week would be a would be a major, major disappointment. It could look a lot different, couldn't it? Uh, James Ollie, superb stuff. Thank you, as always. Uh, just looking ahead to the next Red Agenda podcast. Uh, on that one, we'll have the journalist who's led the investigation into the Panorama programme that uh, many of you might have seen by the time you've heard this podcast, the Champions League final, what went wrong. So Layla Wright's going to come on later on in the week and talk about some of her findings. So check out the next Red Agenda. Hope you've enjoyed the boys this time round. Please check out James's piece on the site now and we'll see you again on the next Red Agenda. Goodbye.